Oh, no. You killed Cancer Puppy. Just trying to cure him. The spell you were attempting to cast is part of a class of magic strictly forbidden for all students. It is also strictly forbidden for everyone else. I was just... The best magicians in the world couldn't work that spell, and yet you thought a middling first-year student could. I had to try. Why didn't you fix your eyes? The glasses show me outlines. I can live with that. If I had to choose between my eyes or my hands, I'd rather be able to cast. It's on the first page of your first textbook, Quentin. As magicians, we are the instrument and the medium. We are the chisel and the marble. I read it. I just... But you didn't listen, did you? Yes. You can save someone's eyes. You can even save someone's life, but you might alter their soul in the process. Then why bother? What is the point of any of this, of magic, if we can't fix real problems? We can fix some things. So we fix what we can. This is really like fog at his most pompous. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of book fog more than more than a lot of the like fog moments do. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, welcome everybody to Physical Kids Weekly, episode 105, Mendings Major and Minor. I'm Clara. I'm Danny. And yeah, we're we're back here for another great week in the hiatus to keep you company. We'll have some really cool episodes coming up. We got some interviews planned. Um, Looking forward to bringing all of that to you. Right now, though, we have an episode to talk about, and I think it's an episode that both Danny and I are just like, ugh, did not like. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> really didn't like this episode. So tell me what you didn't like. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, tra- I'm blanking for a second on the Julia story. I, I can't remember if I hated hers, too, but I just, I've mostly hated Quentin's story. I hated mm. Quentin's story so much. Um, I do like the little hint at his discipline, but I won't get into that too much just in case they, you know, decide to bring that in. (laughs) But like, I like the title. Um, (laughs) (laughs) God, that is uh, damning with faint praise if ever, if ever it was. (laughs) I mean, we'll talk about the outfits when we get into fashion because I mean, that's the highlight of the whole episode. Oh yeah, there is a lot of great fashion. I have like... Show you my notebook. I've got like six points under fashion to discuss on this one. Um, yeah, so I agree with you. This was like a really hard episode, and part of it was that it it just sort of felt that it didn't like it didn't really come together. It was one of those ensemble episodes that just didn't. I don't know the whole like mentorship plotline, which is like half of the episode, does very very little for me. It just seems pointless to have a mentor in your first year. Like, well, uh, like an adult mentor. And do they ever come back, the mentors? No, they don't. This is another Bannon fucking storyline that just doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and the other thing, so the thing that I, I was mentioning in the last episode that I have to bring up here is I also think, okay, so one of the main plot lines in this episode is that Quentin's dad has cancer. And <sighs> that, right, like, and that is super sad for Quentin who has barely paid any attention to his dad, but you know, it's only been five episodes in. So, okay. Um, I'm pretty sure in the first episode, they make some sort of comment about how his parents don't really care about him. 
Yeah, or like he's not. Yeah, he just isn't really close to his parents. And I mean, that's true in the books too. He doesn't really have much oh, of a relationship with his parents. Oh, it's very true in the books, parents. and that's what I think bothers me the most is because I love just how honest his relationship is. Like yeah. in the books with his parents, and it's like some people have relationships like with that with their parents. I didn't like him reacting that way, and I don't know. Yeah, I think there's this like I, I think in a lot of TV and a lot of media, there's this like idealized view of family that like if you are family you're automatically like really close and one of the things I like about the books and that isn't the show for the most part too is that most of the characters don't have that and it's it's not like they hate their families I mean I think Elliot doesn't have much affection for his but that's a special situation I think he legitimately hates his family and Margo's kind of well Janet is kind of close to also hating hers yeah but like for the most part it's just kind of like meh I don't have much in common with them. But, okay, so the thing that really bothers me about this episode is there's this whole plot line about, like, Quentin's dad has cancer, terminal cancer that he is not treating, and Quentin goes home because he's like, ah, I gotta, like, rescue my relationship with my father, and they, like, try to, like, form some kind of a bond. And then we never hear anything about Quentin's dad ever again. Like, it has been more than a year. Yeah, he, like, died off screen, and... It, like, didn't matter, which is also really frustrating for for me as a, a lover of the books because Quentin's dad's death is, like, this pinnacle moment for him in the third books. And it's, right, like, part of it is that he's sort of faced with the fact that he doesn't have a great relationship with his father. And so his feelings are really complicated. It's not purely sad. It's just weird and complicated. Um, so, he, like... He, like, is... He, like, tries to become, like, the man of the family, like, type deal in the book, like... Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, very stereotypical, and, like, he fails at it, right? Like, he tries to do this, like, stereotypical manly thing, and it just doesn't work for him. He's... And I'm sure that this episode also probably bothered Lev, because Lev is, at many moments, said that he was not close to his own father. Yeah, well, Um, that a lot of the, like, a lot of the stuff about... I think he wrote the third book either around like around or shortly after when his own father died. Yeah. And there's things that they keep, right? Like that um the sort of pain of that trauma does seem to does seem to like give Quentin more power, but it frustrates me that it's it's that it's the like that it seems to come straight from the emotions of like dealing with his dad being sick and not from the actual death because part of what I really like about it in the books is that is this theme of like a father figure dying, like actually dying gives you more power because it sort of releases you from, from being under their spell, from like being in their shadow. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that, that is the thing that, yeah. I mean, it's more than one type of father figure in the book where that happens and, and it's, it's a thing. Also, it's super random that his parents are randomly divorced in this. Yeah. Because, like, he says, like, in the books that his parents are, like, so in love with each other that it's like he's not even there. Oh, yeah, they're gross. They, like, talk about sex around him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, of stuff in, in Quentin's relationship with his father, which is really frustrating. And it, it just does, like... It, uh, when when we when we interview Sarah and John, uh, definitely like on my list of things to harass them about are like, what the hell? You like set him up with terminal brain cancer and then never said anything again. Like, 
<laughs> Why? <Yeah. laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> and I, I also really actually liked uh, the mentor that, that Quentin had. In- oh, the podiatrist? Yeah, she was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's like the only one who actually seemed to to give half a shit about like really mentoring. Yeah, somebody. I, I feel like it's probably like that in mentorships, anyways, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like they make it seem true. like it's important, but it really isn't. It's kind of like being trained at work. Like, oh, this is your trainer; they're so important, and then they're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get too far away from. <laughs> Before we get too far away from cancer, um, we do, of course, have to talk about Cancer Puppy. Oh, Cancer Puppy. I know, Cancer Puppy. I've actually been trying to figure out what kind of dog that is for a long time, and I've settled, and I think it's a Maltipoo. Oh, maybe. I thought it, well, it's I definitely it a like curlier mix. hair. I thought it was maybe a Yorkie Poo, because it has like that brownish. Yeah, it's one or the hair. two. <laughs> I thought they so just might have made tiny. a Maltipoo look kind of sickly. Uh huh. But. Um, it was really funny for me watching this episode because when we, when we first did the like show me your tuts thing, um, that was the only one that I learned was the one that kills cancer puppy. And I was like, oh, I remember that spell. <laughs> I just like know magic missile. <laughs> oh yeah. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> like I've so- tried to do other ones and I just like, I'm so like, I'm like dyslexic with my hands in a way, like just like I can't. It takes a lot, like that kind of precision I don't have. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of very fluid, I, I move my hands a lot when I talk and I have a lot of like fluid motions, but I can't do the like super precise stuff. I honestly think it's because my hands are so small that I can't do it. Like my fingernails are, my fingers are not long. They're just like, <laughs> they're not made for stuff like that. I don't have that excuse, but <laughs> I'll still go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, actually, I will mention that fun fact because I I talk about it all the time, just like randomly, but I don't think I've mentioned it on the show. Um, For those of you who don't know, there is a real Popper's book, Popper, like Popper's exercises. It's not a book of magical exercises, obviously, um, but it is a book of of cello etudes. Um, And uh, Lev has said that it, that, the poppers exercises in the books, which we get in the TV show as well, is actually um, drawn from that, from these like grueling um, etudes. So fun <laughs> fact for you who, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like, think I knew facts. that actually. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I have a picture of it on, on Twitter. I'll send it to you. Um, oh. I'll repost it. You know, who's really good at doing tuts. Who? Dom. Dom is amazing at doing tuts. Like he has all these really cool edited ones. He's actually just made a few new ones. I don't think he's released them yet. He texted them to me because he was like, I can't get them to upload to Tumblr, but (laughs) (laughs) I have to share them with somebody. They were both really good. Um, Okay. So let's see. So we've got the cancer plot line and then we have this like mentorship plot line. Um, Oh, and one thing that of course I I really do want to mention I think the only thing that I really care, there are two things that I was like, this is cool about the mentorship plotline. One was Denise Crosby, who I only just realized was Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby um, plays Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation. She's the security officer for the first season, and um, they killed her off. Like, the sort of apocryphal story is that they found out she had been in, in, like, I don't even think it was porn so much as like maybe she had like done a Playboy shoot or um, something like that. Um, and 
I don't know if it's true or not, but like everybody says that that's why she was fired, that they like fired her because it was the 80s and everyone was prudes. Um, and, you know, God forbid she had ever taken her top off. Um, but she was in this as Genji, as Alice's aunt, who is amazing, amazing. And when we get to fashion, we'll talk about her a lot too. So I think that was like one really big redeeming factor of the of the mentorship plotline. And the other one, of course, is Welters. Yes. <laughs> Did you enjoy the Welters match? <laughs> I do for completely for oogling purposes and um the the black hole that Quentin yeah. creates is pretty amazing like It is. I cuz I love that about Quentin is that he has these bursts of just like crazy amazing magic that no one mm-hmm. expects from him and I feel yeah. like they've kind of given up on that. Well, I'm that, not sure. wasn't that spell Josh's in the books? Yes, he does do that. And he, 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 um, but Quentin does definitely have moments like that. Like he does. the whole thing in the beginning, in the very beginning of the book. And then he passes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I also realized that they never bring back his, his sleight of hand. Oh Yeah. They do in the finale of season one, he brings out the deck of cards, but then like the beast is just like, just don't even. Well, they did (laughs) in the last episode too. They did in episode 104 with the pill because he like palms the pill, but then Penny, then like fake. They they bring it up throughout season one, but then it kind of like goes away. Yeah. I hope we get some more of that back because I always really loved that. That like, it was one of those facets of his like total dorkiness. Yeah, him in the coin <laughs> and his like deck of cards. Yeah. I thought it would be more important because they like they even made merch of like a deck of cards with all their faces on it. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> Oh well. Things things that seemed important in season one. Yeah. Um so oh, one other thing that we have to talk about that I one thing we have to talk about that I noticed. I texted you this earlier today. Um it is canon. It is canon that uh, Penny is a Pisces. So I'm gonna play that clip for you. Penny. Penny's. Useless. I'm Stanley. Yeah. I'm your mentor. Yeah. I didn't ask for a mentor. I don't give a shit. You are what you are. What Pisces? See. <laughs> I love it. What, I can't believe like. Yeah, we've been like speculating all this time. I think you said you thought he was a Pisces. Is that right? I think I said that I think book Penny is Pisces and the oh, okay. show Penny is not quite, but you know what? He probably is. And he just has a different like rising sign or moon sign. <laughs> I just thought that was so great. I was like, we, like we've asked all of the, we've asked so many actors, like what sign is your character and what sign are you? We didn't ask Arjun because he was or Olivia. Because the first person we asked was Jade and she got super yeah, excited right. about it. So, <laughs> but like, I just thought it was so funny that there's actually an answer to to Arjun's character. Arjun, yeah. Uh, Penny is a Pisces. Um, so great. So what did you, yeah, so um, tell me more about, like, what you thought about the mentorship plot lines. Because there's, like, three of them. There's, there's, there's Penny's mentor, who is, like, useless piece of shit. Um, <laughs> there's Quentin's mentor, who, yeah... Seems like the only one who actually is not just a total idiot. And then, like, uh, Margot and Elliot can't get a mentor. I didn't really think too much about the mentorship uh, 
I liked Quentin's, like I said. Um, and then, yeah, Penny's is useless. And <laughs> Alice, Alice's aunt just, at the end of the day, didn't really matter. She's yeah, kind of a one-off character. But I, I'm not sure if we should talk about it too much, but we should talk about Julia. Oh, yeah, yeah. So tell her, me, what did you think about her Julia? Her storyline's pretty important, um, <laughs> considering her boyfriend's memory is erased. Of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually when we were t- talking in the last episode, that's what I was thinking about was that, um, I think maybe James disappears because, and like Quentin doesn't get back in touch with Quentin because like if they left his memories of Quentin intact, but not his memories of Julia, like shit would get fucked up. Yeah. I just thought it was funny that Quentin never really thought to like learn how to reverse that. Yeah. I don't know. Quentin's pretty... Quentin doesn't seem to be good at like thinking of that of fixing that kind of problem. Yeah, he wants just, to cure like, cancer, but <laughs> he wants to cure cancer, but he doesn't want to fix a problem that he can actually fix. Um, yeah, which is I think really what like um, that speech Dean Fogg gives him is about. <laughs> yeah, he's like you need to focus on things you actually can fix. Um, yeah, tell me what you're thinking about Julius Pauline. I just thought it was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> you do get a little bit of book Julia in it too, and that she's like willing to like sleep with uh, people for spells and oh, yeah. knowledge. And I love that. I've actually just been joking around with that a lot because I started a and d game playing as Julia. And that's <laughs> like one of her like main things is that she'll sleep with people for power gain. <laughs> How's that working <laughs> out for, for I mean, we, Julia? We haven't started the actual game we just did this like really long character building session yesterday (laughs) uh my friend is doing like a semi margo-ish one and then everyone else is just kind of playing their own shit but (laughs) (laughs) i I was just like i need to play julia (laughs) you gotta like roll a 20 on a blowjob at some point (laughs) yes exactly uh my uh, 20 is actually my intelligence strength nice you got lucky (laughs) yeah um, okay, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I agree with you. Like, I think Julia's storyline is really sad. She is, so at the end of the last episode, she is cast out of, um, like, the Hedgewitch scene. She goes to Pete to try to, like, find her way back in, but basically, like, all of the other Hedgewitches are Bush League. <laughs> um, what I do wish that we would have gotten is, like, a view of what the safe houses, like, actually look like. Uh, yeah. They just hang out at bars, apparently, and weird warehouses. Bodegas. And to <laughs> yeah. me, I was always just, like, I saw, like, safe houses is basically kind of like halfway houses. Uh, like, yeah. actual legitimate houses that... I agree with you. Like, places that are maybe run down and... <laughs> Like, people just sort of come in and out and have all sorts of other problems. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And I think, like, there was this, like, glimmer of hope that we might see that here. Well, because we saw this part, we saw the side of Julia where she just gets, like, frustrated, right? Like, she's like, whatever, I'm not interested in you. But, like, in the books, Julia, Julia is better than most people at most of the safe houses. But she's still, like, she's, she's rigorous about the way that she tries to acquire magic and accrue magic she goes to every single one and even when she is like better than everybody there she tries she like goes through and systematically tries to find one thing that she hasn't figured out like she really is voracious Mm -hmm. um 
And we didn't really see that here. She's just, she's too impatient. Yeah, like, uh, they even, he even mentions, P mentions, like, oh, there's other places you can go. Like, you should just do that. And then she's not interested. And I'm just like, that. Julia's definitely interested in traveling and finding more magic. Yeah, like, I, I understand why she was like, no, honey, I am not going to run away with you. Uh, yeah. But it really surprised me that she didn't just, like, go to the desert on her own and figure that out. Yeah. Um. I would have liked to see that, and it's it's really confusing to me. It's always one of those like, Julia's oh, we got to set up drama for TV. Like that's the thing that does <laughs> suck about TV. As much as I love it, it's like they do things intentionally to set up drama where there isn't drama. Yeah, and I feel like that's like, that was a big a big flaw in a lot of the first season is that um, you know, it's I mean, like a you, lot you of gotta, drama for drama's sake. Exactly right. Like they they had a, a I think there was a harder time the show had a harder time in this season finding its center, like the thing that sort of everything else sprung out of. And so it, it did sort of a mix of plot lines from the book that pushed things forward. And then these like random one-off bottle episodes and things like that, some of which worked and some of which didn't. And it wasn't really, you know, I don't really think the show truly finds itself until the end of the first season until the last few episodes. Once they start getting into like the fillery plot line, yeah, it's, when it's just like it's really it starts to get really solid. Um, yeah. Um, so one thing that I the other thing this that is I like, did, like I think the last episode that I just really hate though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. You can expect some positivity from here on out, <laughs> dear listeners. Uh, so one thing that I did really like. I mean, even though I agree with you that like there wasn't a ton of point to Genji. I really liked Denise Crosby and I did like that character. I just thought it was really fun. Um, so I'm going to play one clip uh, of something that came out of that, which is Elliot and Margot sucking up to Alice. Need a hand? You should catch up. I'm surprised you came back. Still haven't heard about your walkabout. Well, it wasn't anything too exciting. I mostly fed and killed chickens. <laughs> I mean, I wanted you to come back. We're friends, right? Uh, I was wondering if you could do me a tiny favor. I helped you find Emily Green Street, right? See, I still haven't been selected by a mentor yet. I still haven't been selected by a mentor. We're such good friends. I just I figured you could put a good word into your aunt. If you wouldn't mind putting in a good word for me. I just feel deeply that we are connected and are meant to work together. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> They're just so transparent. <laughs> so insipid. Is it the, um, is this the episode where Elliot says to her, friends don't let friends drink Long Island iced tea? Or is that in like no. a few episodes before? I think that's in episode three. Because I love that line. I I love that line too. I think it's great. <laughs> and of course, like have- Elliot would not let anyone drink such a basic drink. <laughs> I actually had a moment with a friend recently where she was contemplating getting Long Island iced tea, and I was just like, "Honey, there's so many better things on this menu." <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. One thing I did like about this, um, and, okay, so there's, like, tiny spoilers here, but nothing, like, major plot spoiler, I hope. Um, 
there's the line in season two um, where there's the scene where um, Elliot and Margot are talking about how they aren't really Alice's friends. Um, and it was funny to me because that really was like the mirror of the mirror of this scene um, about a season later. This one, they're trying to convince Alice that they are her friends. And she, and of course, like, she's like, no, you're not. I see through this. Um, mm-hmm. And in that one, they're um, convincing each other that they're, that they're not, that they don't really care about her. Um, yeah. So I thought that was like a really interesting contrast to think about. Um, also, I just love their outfits. Okay. Maybe, maybe we should, we can go. I, I, I want to get to fashion. So uh, yeah, I, I'm going to, oh, I'll say. I'll say fashion. Um, were there other things about this episode that stood out to you before we get there? I think we've covered most that I can think of. Yeah. The only other thing I had was, was just another Genji moment, the moment with actually Genji. So I, I, I do want to play that really quick just because I think it's so great. What are these two staring at? Here she comes. Get ready for the first spanking you won't enjoy. That's actually kind of hot. <laughs> Dears. While you are both quite impressive, honestly, the thought of working with you exhausts me, and I'm too vain to sacrifice my looks in that way. No, no, no. I mean, we totally get it. <laughs> Maybe next year. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if anyone was going to get somebody being like too vain to to do something, it would be Elliot and Margot for sure. Oh, um, yeah. One of the things, though, actually, I, I did remember while we were listening to this. One of the things that one of the other things that sort of surprised me and confused me about this episode is the fact that like Elliot and Margot are having so much trouble finding mentors. Um because they're so good, right? Like that's a big thing in the books is that both for both of them it's completely effortless. Doesn't Margot set the record for getting into the cottage? I think that's true in the show too. I'm not sure if they discuss that in the show. Okay. But in the book she definitely does. Yeah. Um so, like, the notion that these two really standout students wouldn't be able to attract a mentor was was really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I think it's just that they're a little too much. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what Genji says. It's that the thought is exhausting. <laughs> I just, like, it's probably hard to come across personalities that are like that, um, that can yeah. deal with them, especially, like, adults. Yeah. <laughs> like that are much older than they are. Well, and do you think they would like listen to anybody? No. <laughs> I thought it would have been kind of funny if they had made um Richard be like Margot's mentor. Just oh, she like made him up. actually be an alum. Yeah, because well, he was an alum because they used his key throughout the rest right. of his, like forever. Um, but I always thought it was funny that. It would have been funny if they had done that because Margot always had such a thing for him. Yeah. And actually, like, they actually did have a thing, but uh, <laughs> she also hated him. She found him insufferable, but was like But she was like obsessed with him. him. Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, <laughs> um, that's actually something I really missed from the books is that moment of like Quentin realizing that the people he really looks up to look up to other people who he finds like completely abhorrent. And he's just like, uh, how, how can Janet be into that dude? (laughs) He was always questioning Janet's judgment on men though. Well, I don't know that Janet 
I don't know. Book Janet didn't really have judgment about men other than like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) She just kind of wanted anyone and everyone. (laughs) I really love the line. uh, I have to bring it up now, even though it's like next season and just how she's all like, should I fuck Josh? (laughs) 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 It's one of the funniest things is I just think about them in the books and I'm just like, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I don't think that book, well, oh, wait, though. Hang on a second. No, 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 no. Okay. I was thinking there's some line where uh, she gets so bored that she and Elliot consider fucking in the books. Yes. But yeah, no. not Josh. Yeah, not Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, I really – so one of the things that I do really like about this episode is – the closeness between between Margot and Elliot. You really get to see them in their like full their the full splendor of their friendship. Yes. You do <laughs> you get that very heavily in the first few episodes. Yeah. Uh, um it's I mean it starts to fall out, I wanna say, in like the next episode. No, we still have a few. We it's have- it's two episodes from now, I believe. But I could be wrong. It's 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 coming up. Um one of my least favorite storylines coming up, the Mike storyline, the most pointless storyline that they've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't spoil that for people just yet, but something to <sighs> <laughs> something <Yeah>. to anticipate. <laughs> I do want to say, speaking of Richard, since I brought him up, that yeah, and we'll definitely get into that more as as we go along. I hated Richard the first time I watched the like the first time I watched the season. Yeah. At, like airing live, I actually really like Richard now, and it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, I agree with you. We should we should ta- we should save that for when that is. But um, we definitely will talk yeah. about that more. But it's, funny. <laughs> it's just funny how like things will change as many times as ever you watch the show. <laughs> uh, if you're listening after watching this episode for the first time and you haven't seen the later ones, we're sorry. There is a character named Richard. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay, so let's talk about fashion because, as as established, I have like a, a a ton of notes for fashion. So I really got to make sure that we get to that. Um, there were a couple things that I noticed. Uh, first of all, I love everything that Elliot and Margot are wearing. Everything that they're wearing. Yes. There's the scene with the like garden party where Margot is wearing this yellow um, like camisole or tank top and these floral pants and this like black jacket and it's just it, it is so on fire. I just I, I want to wear that all day every day. I want to be her. And like at the same time, Elliot is wearing a bunch of suits in this because I guess he's trying to impress and they're all just like so tailored, like gorgeous suits. There's a blue one with like this cute little bow tie that has little white ends. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, everything they wear is perfect. They all kind of try to dress nice. If I remember correctly, Quentin does. uh, Yes. Quentin wears a jacket over his otherwise over like the outfit that he basically wears all the time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Good to know he owns a nice suit jacket. Who knows? He probably even borrowed it from a pregnant Elliot. It's probably not even his. He probably <laughs> Actually, the only person who doesn't really dress up is Alice, which makes sense because she is not into the whole. Isn't thing. she She's not, not technically sure. back yet, though? Like as a student? yeah, it's a little unclear. I think she right. She comes back for sure at the end of the episode. It's not entirely clear what her status is. The rest of it, she's definitely trying to decide. 
Mm-hmm. I think she just comes back to support her in as well as just kind of see how everyone's doing. And then, yeah, yeah, it's not long because Steve Fogg like shows up and it's just like, hey, please come back. I don't really do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is that moment that I really like at the at the end of the episode when she's in class with Quentin for the first time since she's back. And he tells mm-hmm. her like, oh, I didn't know if you would come back. And she tells him that like everything's going to be OK, that he'll survive what is going that that he'll get through what's happening with his dad. Yeah. Um, They're just glad really nice each other like in that moment I liked it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like a silent acknowledgement that they're there for each other. Yeah. Really it's kind like of one that. of their first no it's kind of one of their first moments of like real friendship like yes. rather than romantic like moments yeah rather they're not hating each other it's not romantic it's just friendship Mm -hmm. i agree um oh but going back to the fashion part um i did notice that i think alice's clothes are like especially childlike in this episode so she has that like what do you call those that particular type of collared shirt peter pan shirt yeah she has like a peter pan shirt which makes sense. They're Peter Pan collar because, you know. Yeah, because they look like little kids who don't want to grow up. <laughs> um, a pink sweater, this like burgundy, um, this like burgundy skirt um, in one epi- in one scene and then like in a later scene. I, I don't know. I just I noticed that she she really, really looked like a little kid. And her hair is like I forgot how stock straight her hair is in season one. I mean, her hair is pretty much pretty pretty straight throughout but it is but right like there's no shape to it it's just it like I think in in season two they do more of a like layered cut and in this one it's just straight a sheet um oh and actually uh we could not possibly get through fashion without talking about um the fuel this episode provided for cosplay competitions till the end of time Welters. God, those <laughs> costumes. Like, I don't know why they're not just selling them officially and making money off of them. <laughs> People do, like, make some incredible cosplays because it's easy to find component parts of those. Yeah. Who's your favorites? Who's my favorites? Mine's definitely Katie. Oh, Katie's is really good. Mine might be Katie's, too. I like her varsity jacket. I do really like, um, I do really like the V-necks the V-neck Walter sweater that Margot wears. I also noticed um, Alice has like these, these Welters tennis shoes that have like a three inch platform on them. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still really judging a uh, Q's like one rolled up leg for like, no. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's trying to be, He's like trying to pull off an Elliot and be like weirdly cool and it just doesn't work and for him. Elliot just looks so amazing and then his like flask in his like waistband. <laughs> <laughs> With the shades inside because he's probably oh, yeah. hungover. <laughs> I'm sure he's hungover. He's perpetually hungover. <laughs> I, it's not fashion wise, but oh my god, the faces that Margot makes, like her like competition faces are just so like so beautiful and adorable and sexy all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that one of the reasons I like the Welters part of this episode so much is because it 
it it was like one of the first times that I felt like we were really seeing we were seeing more Janet from the books in Margot. Yeah. Um, we see her like doing her take charge thing. We see her. Um, we really got to see a lot of the intimacy with Elliot, um, and we get to see her. We get to see a little bit of her softer side after they win, and she like goes and talks to Quentin about. Oh yeah, we yeah. didn't talk about that moment. That moment's pretty deep, and I love her outfit in that. But um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, the, that's one of my favorite things. Like the, it's another iteration of that uh, magic comes from pain. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I think that might have been the first. I think that might be the first moment that we've seen of Margot and Quentin. I always like those firsts. And yeah, I think they I haven't like done the. With yeah, that's the next episode. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I really like. I really like when we get to see the more vulnerable side of her. And of course, like season two is all about Margot's vulnerabilities, but this is one of the like we've only really seen two moments of that in season one. We saw the um I like competition moment yeah. with Alice and this. Yeah. The malice ship. Malice. Never got enough out of it. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get back there. I don't know. Margot's character is going in a different direction, so it's hard to know. I guess so is Alice's. <laughs> yeah, I just like really liked the build up there, though. Yeah. Like, it really did seem like Margot was super into Alice at some point. Yeah, I really liked that a lot. Um, it, it would be nice if that came back, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Ships aren't everything, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> Am I going to get hate mail for saying that? I don't know. <laughs> Um, okay, so then the other fashion thing is, of course, Genji, who um, I looked up. I, I was looking it up because she reminded me of. Um, do you watch Gilmore Girls? I think you do, right? Yes. Um, you remember Miss you know Celine? This. You remember you know Miss that Celine? I yeah, because you're you sh- right. You're a Jess person, of no. course. You're no, not? I'm Team Logan. You're Team Logan. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to fight sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Jess. I think it's so we can all agree on it. As long as we don't like Dean, we're good. Yeah, it's fine. There's no Dean. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, do you remember Miss Celine? Yes. Uh, that's who Genji reminded me of. She reminded me of Miss Celine. <laughs> was I can like see that. Drawn the way that she talked, um, the way that she dressed. Um, and she also, the other character that, that both of those characters remind me of is, um, what is her name? The, the character from the Incredibles. Oh, Edna. Edna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Just like all, all these like eccentric oddball fashionistas. Um, so I really liked that a lot. She definitely seems like someone you would like end up finding at like a nudist retreat. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think it's it's interesting too because at that point I don't think we at this point I don't think we've seen Alice's parents but you can tell you can see how they're related and also why Alice has an easier time relating to um to Genji than she does to her parents. Um do they explain who's who who her aunt is related to like sister? I don't think so. I would assume it's her dad's side but that is purely me like speculating i would assume so because i feel like she's closer to her dad and and her dad is more eccentric creative 
Whereas her and mom is more eccentric narcissist, so. I fucking hate Alice's mom so much. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to that eventually when we yes. meet Alice's mom, but I hate her mom so much. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really uh, I really did enjoy Genji. Um, I'm sad that she didn't come back. Um, maybe eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Alice needs more people she can trust in her life. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so anything else on fashion or on the episode before we move to MVP and rating? I think we finally, yeah, I think we've done enough. Okay. I think we've talked about <laughs> it enough. Yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to hate on this one anymore. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll give my MVP first. Uh, for me, it was actually a toss-up. Um, so I obviously really liked Denise Crosby and I was excited when I found out, when I realized <laughs> that she was in this episode. Um, I think if I were really doing it seriously, I would have to give it to Summer in this one. Um, I think she does a really fantastic job. It's the first episode where she really gets a lot to do and, and you really get to see a whole range of, of different versions of Margot and different emotional states. Um, but, uh, that is an amazing performance, but I at least have to mention Cancer Puppy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah let's fuck it let's give it to cancer puppy <laughs> rest in peace <laughs> yes rest in peace cancer puppy <laughs> um okay so yeah cancer puppy mvp do you do you want to argue with cancer puppy mvp i feel like i could go with cancer puppy 100 um <laughs> All right. but other than that i would i would have probably gone with stella like her performance of like James forgetting her just Aww. like i loved her rawness and her anger in this episode yeah. I know we barely talked about her, but she was actually like such a strong performer. Yeah, it's true. We we sh- yeah, like when she gets really angry at Pete, um she gets angry at him, she gets angry at the bartender. Yeah, but she also right like for not having One of the things I really like about the scene where she gets angry at Pete is she gets really angry at him and then he cuts her down a peg and like you see that it does affect her. I love like, her anger. I love yeah. her angry moments because, like, they're kind of few and far between. Like, and it reminds me of the way the way I get angry. It's like you finally get to this point where you just snap at someone, and but then it's like you automatically just see her just kind of like, yeah, you see break the, down a little bit afterwards. Yeah, you see the like inward fight between like thinking between like where that anger comes from, and then feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not quite as righteous as I think in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. So, okay. So, Cancer Puppy, rest in peace. And other than that, like, Stella for you, Summer for me. I'm down with that. Um, yeah. Rating, dare I ask? Probably like a 5 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I think this is like a 6 for me. It's, I just struggled with it. There were so many, I I did like a lot of the, like, acting performances, but the story just did not do it for me. Nope. Story is just, no. That's okay. I I actually, I mean, like, I'm less angry about it now than I used to be. Like, when I first saw it, I was just like, I was just like, you're ruining Quentin. (laughs) You're ruining Quentin and you killed a puppy. (laughs) I freaked out about it. I was just like, Quentin. Yeah. Because, like, I remember both me, actually, me, Kat, and Andy all hated this episode because of the way they dealt with Quentin. 
I think right, like that's a, that was a big part of the first season for me. Like, and part of I I have trouble like separating my emotions from what like how the episodes actually are from like any kind of objective standpoint. I don't know that I could possibly ever evaluate them that way because in the moments when I was watching them, I didn't know where the show was going to go, and so I, I I like I hadn't yet built up that trust where I was like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's why I hate it so much because it's just like it was almost like that like make or break point. Like I'm just like if there's another episode like this, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> Fortunately it gets so much better from here on yeah. out. <laughs> okay. And I've so- talked about this with a lot of people. Like some people coming in, like it's hard for them to get past the first episode. It and is. then it's just kind of shoddy like from there. It's just like hit and miss. And I was just like, as soon as you get like not even halfway through. It it just gets better. Yeah. I think, like, for me, the turning point was episode four, and then this one was, like, a bit of a letdown, but I, but I, I had, like, a little trust coming off of that. Um, I know that there were... I know that, like, the big turning point for a lot of people is episode seven, um, but it does exist, right? Like, for, for, for anyone, no matter how much of a, like, diehard book fan they are or, like, originalist, there's some point in this season where they felt like there was something that they could grasp onto. This yeah. episode just wasn't it. <laughs> oh. Oh, well. Well, uh, I think that's it for this episode of Physical Kids Weekly. Um, we will see you again soon. Um, and um, all right, Danny. see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Mind slide. Oh, cans are puppies.